Cancel culture is real. CrossPolitik is on the front lines of this battle with the goal of creating a Christian television network and platform where we can't be canceled and where content creators will have the freedom to glorify God. Our goal is to create a space for like-minded businesses to thrive on this platform and to reach an audience that will not only buy your products and services, but also support your business when the heat of cancel culture comes your way. We want our platform to help you create an anti-fragile business as we bring together Christians from all over the world to tune in. With millions of downloads a year, access to DirecTV, Xfinity, and social media outlets, we are excited to partner with you. So, if you own a business and believe in this vision, then you need to call me. I'm Garrison Hardy, and I am the business development rep at CrossPolitik and the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We are looking for businesses, large or small, that not only have great products and services, but also understand that the cultural battle that is impacting the business climate here and now. I have a background in marketing, and I'd love to help you advertise your business on CrossPolitik. Give me a call at 208-792-1290 or email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. It's maybe we need to rework the term to talk about biblical economics as a better way of something that we want to defend versus um, capitalism. But capitalism, I think rightly understood, I don't want to give that away either because I don't think that they own that side of it either. You know, so I, so what I want to defend ultimately is a biblical form of economics, right? Right. And I think that capitalism in a lot of ways um, has a lot of that built into it, at least in its origins, you know? I think, I mean, some of the... Right? Like, yeah, yeah. The capitalism grows out of a Christian worldview, but there is also a distortion of capitalism. Sure, sure. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's like what I see happening right now, though, with um, there's distortions to everybody's. And, and what people, I think, do is take the distortions of capitalism and then fight that and it's like, yeah, but I don't agree with that either, and I'm a capitalist. Right. Right. But I think um, – But ain't nobody taking distortions of Marx and being like, you know <laughs> – Right. Like, well, why, why the attack on capitalism? Yeah. Uh, well, but I think, though, that there's a laissez-faire capitalism. Oh, uh, who? Uh, that, that, that – Say it to me like I'm three, Jason. <laughs> that there's, a, there's an understanding of capitalism – that has been separated from uh, biblical, the ethics. biblical ethics. I, I, I agree. Or not even biblical ethics, from a biblical metaphysic. That Explain uh, that. So the, the laissez-faire capitalism... Why do I feel like me and you are about to be opposed to each other on this? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Laissez-faire capitalism grew up at the same time of Darwinism. Laissez-faire meaning a false form of... Uh, laissez-faire uh, meaning um, whatever... Whatever goes goes. So, yeah, that, but that was yeah 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 okay fair enough. So that that there, that you could have an economics that was different than that was separate that was no longer in a, a category of moral philosophy. Right. So right 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 right. right. But and and so maybe yeah okay. So um, that what that would whatever is um, best will rise to the top, and you know what, but. But that um, there weren't the limiting, the the limitations of morality, and so it was basically survival of the fittest applied to economics. How do we know what's the fittest? Well, they're the ones that survived, 
And so, oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's so it's the same, uh, and that they so that you had the invisible hand of the market, um, either blessing or cursing. Okay. You know what I see happening to this already as we start talking about capitalism is the same thing that I see happening as it relates to. Um, when we talk about metaphysics, there is the first thing you want to understand is God is God and there's a separation between you right. and him. Right. It's God and creation. Yeah. Right? So, so everything happening in economics um, is related to God as creator, not um, and there there's no way to manipulate the creator God. Right. Right. And so but but the God of the God of the economy, the invisible hand is what, so the enlightenment as they tried to basically take um, this understanding of economics um, and separate it from the Christian worldview that uh, they, the idea was, well, we've got the, um, the invisible hand of the market that is blessing and cursing. And, and this is what I was saying to your point just a moment ago is that we've already usurped and moved into that that top tier of false god, right? Exactly. Right. We so already have idolatry in yeah. the system. As soon as we do that, but that idol is the same idol behind the uh, behind evolution, behind right. Darwinian evolution. It's just a disagreement on what is the most important thing to the idol. It's not a disagreement on which idol, mm. right? So, and and the right took off with one version of that I with with that idol with one version of an eschatology mm. and the left took off with that idol and another version of the eschatology but they agreed on the idol so darwinian evolution and laissez-faire capitalism don't actually disagree on, on the, the god, god of the system what they disagree on is um how the god operates yeah yeah so they or, or what's the most important to the god and which right. which direction he's going so so both of them have a system and where this is invisible hand that's so, so but it seems though that the right still appeals to Christians in a in a unique way because of what Well I mean I think cuz we don't we don't appeal to the other side well there were there were times when um the left was more appealing you know than the right historically but right now I think it's because there is a um in in a, an ultimate free market sense, um, Christians still get room to operate. Right? You you don't have you you can say, well, let's give it time. We'll find out what happens one way or the other. Uh, in a Darwinian evolution sense, um, the the our our narrative is a threat. But you, I mean, you do have. People like um, uh, Nietzsche, who says, "Well, no, he." So he's on the laissez-faire capitalist side, okay. and you have him saying, "Well, no, Christianity is a threat because they offer a different source. Uh, they they offer a different mythos, a different myth of the creation of the world that makes weakness valuable, and mm. because Jesus uh, won by being weak, and then he served the weak, and and he." protected the weak and uh, and he said that's actually bad for capitalism so so then let's let's just work through real quick this is interesting um how does if you hold to capitalism 
um, it seems like weakness is a problem. It does seem like that. Yeah. Right. But inside the when I what I want to argue for as a biblical form of economics, um, even weakness has its strengths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And so it doesn't have to be the thing that doesn't produce. Where in I think some people think about capitalism. Um, I guess you have to define weak in some of this, but weakness doesn't produce a value for everybody in the market. Where I think you can see. Um, even in other countries, someone who has the ability at home to produce something of value for another person, even though they might not have legs, can produce amazing quilts. Can't you know? Uh, yeah. You know, or um, so their value um, is in how they choose to love their person who doesn't have a blanket. Their value is choosing how to love a person who doesn't have the abilities they even have. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's what they provide and, in, in, you know, the blessing that they give to others and what they make and what they create has massive value. And, and I, so because they're made a Mago day. And I think, right. That, 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 that you're already assuming a particular definition of money. That's not always assumed by everyone where that money is a way of uh, you, you pay somebody because you're saying you're you're adding value to my life, and so here I hadn't even got to the money part yet. I'm just thinking of the goods that a person has around them. That I believe that God naturally places people around a certain set of things, a certain set of goods, so that they can love somebody else with whatever it is they have in front of them. Right. But so it, and and but there are, but there are people that even that they, they can't. Right. They there's you have. Um, you know, as Christians, we see somebody you know, that's, that's in a wheelchair that that they, you know, they're mentally retarded. They, sure. They, um, they don't have the use of their limbs, all of that. We look at them and we say, still have value. Right. Because right. they're made a Mago Day. Right. And I'm, I remember sitting in a church service once um, and the pastor's son uh, has no use of his arms, no use, no use of his legs. Um, mentally retarded, and he would just kind of shout at random times during the service. And uh, charismatic, and then having this realization oh, okay. that I'm actually not that much different than him as we stand before God. Yeah, what I'm doing isn't actually that much different than what he's doing. Right. right? That in terms of where do we sit, um, you know, on a scale on of a scale, value, on a scale of value. We're actually at the exact same spot. Yeah. There's nothing that my worship brings to the Lord that is of more value than his worship, what his worship brings to the Lord. Right. And um, because of that creator-creature divide, and then because of the fact that Jesus in his incarnation is where our value as human beings is solidified, or in, in terms of how we know our value. Uh-huh. Jesus uh-huh. became a man. Um, the second person of the Trinity became a man, uh, was incarnated, then we can look at that and say his value, my value, all the same, and it's uh, and that's where it's confirmed. So that um, and that is yeah. So that, I'm putting a value on a human being beyond what they produce, right? Beyond what they produce. Whereas there are, it, and this is something that so Karl Marx explicitly says that the um, the value of a person is measured by their wealth. Mm. Then he says, 
But because we know people are all equal, wealth should be equal. Right. So that understanding, though, that the value of a person is measured by their wealth, uh, that the, the ontological value is measured by their economic value, mm-hmm. is, uh, is actually often made on the right as well. And in laissez-faire capitalism, they agreed mm-hmm. on that. They said, therefore, some people are just more valuable than others. Now, something that, you know, the, the amount of value that, um, uh, or the amount of wealth that is produced from somebody who can't go out, you know, who can't, doesn't have access, who, look, guys who are stronger than women, um, there's some jobs that are harder to do. And so what they are able to do produces more, um, fruit, right. you know, because of the amount of work that it takes to get something done. So there is this, kind of balance between the value the the dignity of a human being that's not changing anything at all yeah but the amount of fruit that's produced from somebody who's actually able to go and see the garden is different (laughs) it's true right but Karl Marx says that a prostitute is more valuable than a housewife because a prostitute makes more money Mm, okay I see because in my situation it's just because you go out and you're able to see the garden doesn't mean that that person next to you doesn't you know your your family member who can't do that doesn't deserve or shouldn't be entitled to some way to still live (laughs) yeah (laughs) right but so if I go yeah but that's where that's why that's why um, Marxism has produced such violent uh, Mm. movements throughout history is because they actually don't agree because they were working from a metaphysic that doesn't believe that. Mm. So that the equal that, so I, I, as Christians, we back our metaphysic up all the way to the triune God. Yeah. Right. God is one and he's three at the same time. Right. So Mm. we don't have, uh, we don't have problems with unity and, and diversity all exist existing within one mm. another mm. the um adam right. is made in the image of god eve is made in the image of god and then we're told they were the image of god mm-hmm. they together mm-hmm. were the singular image of god so the hebrew if you track the singulars and the plurals there's not a problem even within the unity and diversity of the human race because god is unity and diversity and we are made in his image but he is also and so we can have those paradoxes yeah, and so we totally can have all those paradoxes and, and celebrate them yeah right? and and say well who's more the image of god the husband or the wife um he, yes <laughs> chest yeah Chesterton, <laughs> that great poem um uh he set the sun, sun uh he's talking about uh, husbands and wives he says you set the sun beside the moon and some damn fool will come along and say better <laughs> it's like mm. It's say which is better, the sun or the moon? You say well, this is stupid. That's not how. You, that's not the distinction you make in that sort of situation. Well, because yeah. because that's a metaphysical problem too. Because it's just like, well, what is the sun for? Right. Yeah. Is it for what the moon is for? Well, yeah. no. no, not, <laughs> not at right. all. And yeah. um, which is really interesting. It really does come down to metaphysics at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm over realizing, and over yeah. and over. Yeah. So, but then when what the mistake that Karl Marx makes is also a trinitarian heresy. Right. He's making an error, a metaphysics, metaphysics error by drawing uh, his metaphysics from a God besides the triune God. Because the Father and the Son 
have a relationship in which the son submits to the father. Mm-hmm. He's, he is over the father. We call it the economic trinity, mm-hmm. right? They have that, that the household relationship of the trinity is the father is over the son, and then the son and the, uh, the father and the son together oh, send, send the, spirit. the spirit. So does the submission of the son make him less God? Absolutely not. We don't. It's funny because I've realized that you know, again, this is the Trinity, so it transcends even our ability to, to grasp all of it. Yeah. But we don't have categories for the idea that submission means equal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that you can be that one can submit, right? That, you know, and you see this in a lot of in whenever when when you get um, Trinitarian heretics um, that that get any sort of foothold and create cults and things, almost always. They go to moments like then Jesus submitted to the Father and say, "See, how could he be God? Mm-hmm. Right? Because the Father is more mm. powerful than him." So, say, "Well, no, that's not. But that that's a particular understanding of of the economic relationship and in its relation to the ontological relationship. So, the Father and the Son, ontologically in their being, are both equally." Fully God. Mm. Right? There's not one that is more God than the other. There's there's no inequality mm-hmm. in their economic relationship. The father, uh, he, uh, uh, the son willingly submits himself to the father. The father um, lives his life in such a way that he's giving his life com- completely and fully to the son and the spirit. The, um, the, the Jesus is giving his life away uh, he, to the, the father and the spirit. So you have this understand the spirit is doing the will of the father. He's mm-hmm. doing the will of the son. He's the spirit of Jesus, but he's not less uh, ontologically. That is the error that Karl Marx, he looked at the, at the economy of the world. And he said, well, some people are above others in the in their economic relationship, but we, but because we know they're not, better mm. more human we've got to flatten everything out mm. we have to fix this problem of economic relationships in which there are some that have more and others that have less um and then but then you there were folks on the other side that agreed with marx on on the um on the ontological economic um mistake that metaphysically and they said, well, they, and they called it laissez-faire capitalism. They said, well, no, I just am better. That's why I'm above you and you're below me. Mm. And then you had Darwin come along and write on the origin of the species. Um, and, and Darwin come along and say, well, look, white people are in control and they're in charge and um, then people with this skin color are lower than them and this skin color are lower. And then you get all the way down to the Eskimos at the bottom, I think is who we put at the very bottom. Right? And he said, so therefore there's an ontological reality that is being represented um, by the fact that the white people are at the top. Right? They are the superior master race. Mm-hmm. Right? And then post-enlightenment, everybody bought into that. Right, and so it, the I mean, you had master race. Um, How did that thinking everywhere? So was that because of the the growth of the West? 
Is that because of the at that time you have the West is growing, it, it is becoming a massive power already at that point. You know, what made people buy into that with so much history right, <laughs> of yeah, pro- yeah. production? I mean, you had the Spaniards, you had you had a whole bunch of other nations of, of brown folks yeah. who had produced the world's goods and beauty all the way up until this point. How did anybody really buy into that idea if that wasn't even the, the evidence on the ground? <laughs> Well, hold on. That's not even fair to ask anymore after 2020, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think, you know, the the serpent was the subtlest of all the beasts of the field. You know, he comes along and he says, um, man, aren't you so much better than them? Like, you Look at what they uh, do and look how ridiculous that is. Cause, I mean, in the Middle Ages, people read travel, the travel logs of uh, of Marco Polo and he'd go visit the east and he'd come back and and they would read the travel logs and be so excited to hear about how different people were right right you didn't have the this the post post enlightenment so much of the of enlightenment philosophy um came down to power and how do we gra- grasp after power how do we retain it how do we get power over nature that's you know? nothing new it's it isn't anything new but it is uh as the scientific you know, knowledge does give us uh, a, you know, a certain mastery over nature that we didn't have before, I do think there's some, I think, just but, I mean, metaphysical arrogance that sets in. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I think I've seen from the past year, especially since the whole 2020 thing, I know more about medicine than in sicknesses and virology right. than I ever have wanted to know. And I realize we don't even know how to synthesize the science that we have in front of us at the basic level. I mean, seriously, in one sense, we have people talking about if you don't put on a mask, then you will be able you won't be able to survive the next year without getting this disease. Yeah. Also, that boy, it's a girl now. <laughs> right. And so your medicine, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, seriously, like it's. And so the, the ability to be able to synthesize the data on the ground has always been a problem for us. And so it, you would just think by common natural sense how evolution was able to have a foothold inside of some of the most basic forms of economics, even though it didn't read that way in nature at all. The general revelation didn't read like that. For us to buy into it, we just have to be completely blinded. Well, I don't know if there was... We, we lost the expectations that things would th- synthesize, right? The, the expectation that the world will make sense went away. So that was before, that's why that, evolution took foothold. That's foot why hold. evolution took a foothold in the first place. It, that you, you have, mm. no, you no longer have an expectation that you get enough knowledge and the whole thing's going to fit together mm. and begin to make sense. Mm-hmm. And as that goes away, you start hunting for a new mythos. You know, this is so funny. So as soon as you start denying God and what he tells you, right, then you open the door for idolatry to come in and fill that spot. And you're like, oh, look, this this should work. This is right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you have attempts to hold on to it with deism and um, and those sorts of things. But, you know, once you start slipping down the the garbage chute, you know, 
Yeah, it's, you it's, good, good it's, luck getting back yeah, up. Good there. luck getting back up. So I want to. I really want to take a little dig, deeper um, dive into capitalism because I think everybody right now we see critical race theory, intersectionality, we see all these liberal ideas, and we say, yeah, not us at all. We're going to stick with capitalism, but like the conversation we've been having, our metaphysic is so broken, and our um, since we are steeped so much inside of Gnosticism, right, yeah. <laughs> we don't even see that our own system that we really hold to itself might be pretty broken. Right. Yeah. So let's just inside of capitalism. Um, I, I I think I don't think about it like this because I'm thinking very much of a Christian ethic. Right, yeah. I'm I think theonomically. So I'm thinking, okay, how do we love our neighbor in this? I don't hear a lot of people talk about capitalism like that. To be honest with you, yeah. um, I want to make a great product that loves my neighbor exactly the way they need so that they can be able to do what they need to do and, and honor God in that. And there's joy in that. I watch guys who are, there's a guy who is, um, acts an anvil. He's on Instagram and he is a, um, a, a blacksmith. Now you don't see a lot of blacksmith, but I love following this guy because when I follow him, his, he loves his work and he makes these things that take lots of time and yet they have immense value to the person who grabs them and uses them. And, and that becomes, you know, his lifestyles to make hard things that people don't make anymore yeah. for certain uses that people don't. A lot of people don't do. And he loves that particular group of people to, to make those tools. And it's amazing to yeah. watch. And we do it all the time on Instagram or Facebook. We watch these videos where guys are sitting there taking an old car. Right. And restoring it. And we're like, wow, it's amazing. And, and I think it's the internal reaction of um, look at him bringing something dead to life and, and bringing beauty to it for a purpose. Right. right? And, or taking something that's really basic, transform it into something that's magnificent. Right. Um, beginning, middle and end. And so we liked it, which is creation, right? All, yep. uh, even all the way to the post millennial. Uh, <laughs> so we, we love that. And then, so with, with capitalism, um, I don't know if people are holding those same concepts of of blessing for your neighbor inside of. Do you? Yeah. I, well, I think it, it's it often it, it's not the it, there's not a substantive desire to uh, serve our neighbor that is flowing out in our work, right? And so you know. If you are defining a, you know what is a biblical economic, it would be something like my uh, work add, adds value to people's lives as I serve them with the skills God gave me, mm-hmm. and uh, money is the way that we um, express that appreciation. Appreciation. Yeah. You've added this. You've added twenty-two dollars worth of value to my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and then. That work then that as added value to other people's lives, you can express to who to people that have added value to your life that same amount of yeah. So we're yeah, so, so, so they say so you know twenty two bucks. Is this enough for you to make more of this right. so that you can continue to add value yeah. <laughs> to what I'm am doing? I, am I adding value to people's lives? Um, you know, it's so funny because I um, if you've ever had something good, you go out to a restaurant, you taste, you have a good steak. Yeah. And when you have that steak, you, it satisfies you or whatever it is in such a way, something you purchase, right. that the price tag almost feels like you're getting a deal. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, yeah, <laughs> like, so, oh my goodness. So this restaurant in Spokane um, that my wife and I go to, and you, you go, uh, we haven't been since before COVID, but you go in and you'd say, okay, we have $40. And you just give the chef $40. And then he takes that and decides what is what he can give you for $40. And, and I always walk out of there feeling like I ripped the chef off. Right. <laughs> if you go in and you're like, I can't believe we only spent $40 on what he gave. So you get like, and the chef is back there like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, did I yeah. give them enough? Like, and so I, then I, I go and I, and, and it drives my wife nuts. Cause my wife is very private and, and I'm like, go stick my head through the window. Into the, Are you good? <laughs> and we're like, that was amazing. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I saw the chef come walking out and my wife says, he go, and he goes over to the bar and he sits down and my wife says, you have to wait until I'm outside. So, so she's like, talk no, to him so I don't feel and and she knows like I see him and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go over. And I just, cause I want to express my appreciation like, because there's something there, there's something so much. It's not like McDonald's, although I, you know, yeah, it McDonald's serves a different purpose. Great. Yeah, it serves a different purpose. But you, it's there's a personal transaction uh-huh. where he chose what uh, he he chose for me the food um, specifically. Here's what that's going to get you, and um, it becomes this loving it, this expression of the way God is with us, mm-hmm. and there's so many opportunities for that. Um, and when capitalism goes wrong, uh, there there often is still space for those people that are that are acting that way. Mm-hmm. It um, has that built into it, the it system. Has that still. built yep. into the system still, um, but it 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 feels like it republicanism. Have a, dehuman, <laughs> a dehumanizing effect. Yeah, uh, culturally. Well, it can't live that long yeah. in God's world and survive. Like right. it, you know, things have to always things need to repent and follow God, or they're going to die. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or they, or they need to continually die to be raised again. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you. You, you didn't have, like the way I said that. <laughs> no. Why not? Uh, because for things to live, they have to be constantly dying. That's the kind of world it ah. is. So repentance is, isn't a way of avoiding death, it's a way of choosing the death that you know leads to life. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Why didn't you say that? Because, you know, that's actually what I meant. <laughs> well, what I meant is because in, if you're going to walk and live in step with God, something in you has to die. Repentance is yeah. is the putting off of something, right. right, and leaving it there, and then going and follow along, right? Yeah. Did I? That's, that's well, what you, I meant. You mean, I, <laughs> I, think well, I know what you meant. That's why I laughed rather than correct. You know, I didn't, saying I didn't mean it Baptist. <laughs> that's what a <laughs> Baptist theology holds on strong. Yeah, I didn't mean it in a Baptist way. I was very Presbyterian, but it's, I'm, I'm it's glad like you. Sw- it's like the squid and say that again. Everything needs to be. I'm, not, I'm gonna talk right over that because you give so much trouble. Um, but in order for it to live, it needs to continually die. Right. Yeah. Jesus says that that there's that the way to life is to constantly die. Mm. Right. Is to constantly be giving giving the life away, or and to. To choose the graves that God says have doors out the back to new life. Mm. Right? It's it's not as if you're, you you get to pick to not die. You you're you're gonna die. Period. You're gonna die. Yeah. And so, um, but pick there's the there's graves. a death that leads to life. Pick the graves that have the doors out back to life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Okay. You know, that's a, that's a hard reality. Oh, man. Um, it's so hard. And it's not one that's prominent inside of Christendom right now mm-hmm. because you're right. I think that when people are seeing the situation that – maybe we'll talk about this in a second too as far as like the vaccines and they see what's coming. Some people really do see what's coming. And they're hoping – we've talked about this a little bit. They hope that that big wave of judgment that's coming, they can repent and not have to go through it. Right. But that's actually not – how it's going to happen. Well, I, I, yeah, it's not, I, th- I think there's, um, we're, the, the death is on its way, right? We, you can see that the, that the tide is coming in. Um, and you, when you try to say, well, I'll just resist the tide coming in, you know, I used to surf, um, and you get a big wave coming. And if you try to just fight over it, you're just destroyed by it. Right? Mm. That that, that kind of like a rock. Yeah, you have, <laughs> jump on the rock. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, as the flood comes in, the God floods. Uh, God's God's flood have a cleansing effect, but they also have a way of forcing His people mm. onto the rock, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And w- if we refuse to climb up there, He's like, well, then I just Crush need you. to send yeah. more water, yeah, right? Yeah. I need to send more flood until you're uh, up on the rock. But it's because God's God's floods as they come over us bring new life, right? So, uh, Psalm forty-two, um, uh, it's as the as the deer pants for the water, so my soul mm-hmm. pants after you, right? So, but then David explains how he got to that point in his life, mm-hmm. and he describes it as God's floods came in and held me down until I drowned, mm. and now. My heart longs. For I died, him, right? Yeah, I died. Right? That the that the only way to a, to that properly ordered desire was was that um, death. You know, it's uh, Jonah too. Corinthians. Yeah, Jonah. Right, Jonah. Um, he died in the he, that's death in the yeah, well, right? Yeah. And and what's funny is, you know, Jonah four two. He says uh, he preaches and he says, and then all, they all repent and turn and he. He says, I knew that you would do that, Lord. <laughs> You're right. always so merciful. <laughs> right. But what's funny is he had preached. I mean, when he opened his mouth uh, before at the uh, in Jonah one, when he's fleeing the Lord, he goes down to Joppa, down into the ship, down into the sides of the ship, down onto his bed to sleep. And then they come and get him. They bring him up. And, and the first thing that when he opens his mouth that happens is a bunch of heathens repent. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so right. He, he's trying to get away from converting heathens. He did it again. But, God, you did it again. But right. the only way to do it is to keep his mouth completely shut. So inside, so I want to go back to. Which is what the church has been trying to do. I was going to say. Keep their mouth completely shut. Well, the, we might be a little worse than Jonah. I don't even know if we know that God would is as kind as he is. You know <laughs> no, what I mean? That's like true. That We might be a little. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Otherwise, anyway, I, I want to go back to capitalism. So, yeah. the the brokenness in the system right now. How is it separated? So, we, we talked about what a Christian ethic would look like. Yeah. Well, the, so and the, the 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 way that God tempers capitalism and keeps it in its place is by instituting non-capitalistic institutions in the world, right? So. The church is not a capitalist mm-hmm. institution. Mm-hmm. America has not treated the church that way. Mm. In fact, that's one of the 
mm. reasons that I don't think that they're up until recently. I, I mean, yeah. so I've heard a story uh, recently of a pastor that was a church planter that he was coming in and they're like, well, here's your salary. And he's like, no, I just want 10% of the tithe every morning. That way, if I grow the church, I can make more money. Right. And you're like, flee, flee from that pastor. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we should, should be flogged. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what did he just I mean? Right. So yeah, that that's, and they were like, oh, that's right. That's how that, you know, that, that will encourage wow. him to work harder. Gives so him incentive. Gives him incentive. But the, but money is not the incentive that runs the church. That's the kind of guy that won't die for his flock, though. Oh, absolutely, right? He's a, he's a hireling. <laughs> he's that, he's gonna run. The, the wolf shows up, and everybody says, "Go get it, Pastor." Where did he go? There's a scene in Batman. I wish I could pull it up. Where the Joker, you remember the Joker walks inside the room with all the gangsters, yeah, and he's getting that interview from the guy. Yeah, says, Let me show you a magic trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah. He walks in, and they're all in the kitchen, whatever, and there's they're talking to a TV. He's like, he is a squealer. I know a squealer, yeah. you know? <laughs> that's how I feel about that bastard. Right. Like, that's yeah. the, yeah, no. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and, and you know, the the early, early America, they understood that. That's why that's why the, there's no taxes, right? Because it's, mm. it's outside the capitalist um, realm, right? It's, it's, it's an institution that is not, Capitalist. So, so understands his metaphysics. Yeah. So poor pastors that have real authority in the world mm. is one of the ways that God historically has hemmed capitalism in, right? Given real pastors that have taken vows of poverty, I mean, literal or just the way it generally works out, um, and then giving them real authority in the world, right? So that hems capitalism in and says, well, it's capitalism is only supposed to function in within the realm of households. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like pastors taking about poverty. Just don't not, like them. Not, not a, but I see what you, I yeah, see what you mean. Yeah. But so historically, sometimes it was a vow of poverty. That was always in response to the, yeah, yeah. when the church got this out of whack uh-huh, and they, became a capitalist institution. Pendulum swung too far. The, the other side. Well, the reform movements, um, retrained the desires of the church mm. through vows of poverty. And I don't think there needs to be vows of poverty, um, but that is how you. I mean, it, it's sort of like paganism detox. I get that. I just think that what we see, but but ends up happening in the good that that's trying to do. Because there's we see this so many times in Christendom, right? Like, um, or let's just go for the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Bad thing, right? Like that happened. So we need the civil rights movement. Great thing to try and fix. And now we all of a sudden we get anti discrimination bills. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we got to discriminate. <laughs> well, I mean, between man and woman, right? <laughs> yeah. We need, and I think. I mean, and I think so, what's interesting too is that's a way of you go you go to the feds and you say, "Hey, you're you're using your power to mistreat us," and uh, um, and they and then you say, "Okay." Um, they they say, oh, you're totally right. I'm so sorry. We'll just take a little bit more power. Trust us with it this time. Right? Yeah, and we'll fix <laughs> like, it. We'll fix it. We're like, well, I think there's there's a certain point at which you walk away from the abusive boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and my point for saying that was that if you don't go and do things in a biblical form and biblical way, then you're going to get something on the opposite side of right. that that 
becomes the same version of what you were just fighting. Right. So so like civil rights movement, like great for, but then what we end up opening the door for now is something that was completely the same thing on the opposite side of where we were then. Right. So now we don't understand anybody's ability to have any autonomy to do anything. Right. Because what, what we did is we said the problem with the federal government being so oppressive is that I'm not in charge. That's what it was. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so, those are, and so then rather than understanding, which is goes right to our conversation on economics, that the economic structures are not the federal government's responsibility anyway. Right. Those are between individuals, right? And so that is, you know, that's one of the things that we keep missing out. And that was love so far. This conversation has been not talking about the federal government as <laughs> yeah. relates to economics yeah. because that's not what they're, you right. know, that's not what they're, uh, Called to do. It's been individuals engaging with each other. And so this goes back to the pastor situation because, you know, you don't muzzle the ox that's treading out the grain, right? Like you let him feed off of what he's treading because he needs to in order to be able to do his job. Well, and it's, it, um, Paul says to show double honor to those that preach the gospel. And so you show them honor and then, but you also pay them. Right. Because they, um, that's how we communicate. That's honor. how we communicate honor. That we communicate that you're doing something of value, but it's not. It's not an exchange, right? In the same sort of way, right? Because the truth is, there couldn't be the, an exchange that would amount to the value of a soul. Exactly, one hundred percent. That's yeah. the problem, yeah. you know. So, so the the church functioning as a non capitalist institution um, is one of the things that hems in a biblical economic because it keeps it in its place. Mm. Uh, but then the other thing is uh, that, you know, the law of God has a whole, uh, a way, a way of uh, keeping people from squeezing their resources um, beyond to, in a way that keeps, keeps uh, the poor from being able to, have access to resources. Give an example of that. So um, when they're Gleaning. told to not glean the corner of yep. their fields, mm-hmm. um, it is a way of saying, look, um, this is this piece of property you're the steward of on behalf of the, the, the landlord, the God who's, who owns it all. You're the steward of this piece of property. And... The all of the other citizens of the landlord, basically any other person that walks past, is a citizen of the same landlord, and um, the purpose of your field mm. is to serve those citizens. And that uh, when you don't take, you know, you don't glean the corners of the field, it's a reminder of the purpose of capital. It's a reminder of the purpose of the means of production. Mm. This is, uh, and um, and it's a way of hemming in the the uh, capitalism to its proper uh, place in society or its its proper understanding. You know, as one thing that's interesting about that too with gleaning is that the not only was it there to protect the poor so that they mm-hmm. would have something mm-hmm. and doing what it's supposed to do in, in functional society, it actually was easier in a lot of ways for the people who were doing the work not to have to do the edges of their field and some of the things that they were doing. Right. And so I was just talking to a, um, a farmer out here and this is a little different. It's not, but because of the way that their um, setup is not 
doing the edges. They naturally allow gleaning. Right. Uh, their m- machinery doesn't do edges. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. But, but there would be a way of saying, like, yeah, I can't get the edges, but I'm going to set my dogs on anyone. Who, who does. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. and, 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 it, and it creates more work to have to do some of that because of where they are. It's a little hard. You know, so. Uh, but it also, so it's, it serves two purposes. My point is that it serves yeah, the purpose yeah. of the person who has the field, right? Someone comes and blesses them by doing these, the hard, some of the harder work creates work for the people in the environment and, um, and everybody gets blessed equally yeah. from well, just obeying God's laws on this. Right. So, I, I mean, I think a, a good example of how that might work in the modern world is I have, uh, the barbershop where I go, they, um, you go in and there's, always uh, one, two, sometimes three, 12 to 14 year old boys hanging out in the back corner. And, um, after you're finished getting your haircut, they pop up and they sweep the floor mm. and they, and then, uh, every time they do that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get a little bit of a uh, lesson. They get a couple bucks from the barber. Um, and then, and then they are, Mm. they're gleaning the barber could say like no i need that extra two bucks i can't i i need that i i'll do it myself i can't afford you Mm. um that's a good point there's not a lot of gleaning in capitalism is there not not the way we think of it not the way we think of it yeah right we're always looking for every advantage but that goes back to that same mentality that uh survival of the fittest says that it's all about gaining advantage over others. That's, that's how you survive. That's how you grow. Whereas God says, well, no, what's the source of it all? Like I'm the landlord. Mm. I'm the one, I, I'm the one that's taking care of you. And why am I taking care of you? Well, so that you can, you can serve me and worship me. Um, and how do you do that? By serving my image in your neighbor, right? So, um, you can, you can return, um, you can return your service to me in my neighbor, in your neighbor, because he's made in my image. And that that is um, the purpose and the point of it all. And if you stop doing that, then the blessing goes away. Mm. Right. So yeah. that, that it's that that's another faithfulness. Mm. So that the, the world exists, you know, you've got this, this covenant that God has made with us and faithfulness to the covenant. Um, you keep the covenant by faith and then you work out of that faith um, leads to blessings. We do have a a temptation to turn around and say, look at the kingdom that I've built. Uh, That gets you dead. Yeah. And And not, not the kind of dead you want (laughs) rather than saying thank you. But what our thankfulness looks like is not gleaning the corners of the field and making sure that there's uh, that, you know, somebody, somebody comes along and they're poor and, they and you say, well, hey, you know, you can go over there and so, and glean that corner of the field and make sure you got the food you need. So, I mean, and I'm kind of using capitalists in two different ways, but um, I'm trying not to do that in this one. Do you? <laughs> I'll use it like this: biblical form of economics is not a slot machine like we've treated capitalism. Right. right, right, and which is it's one of the because there's not a blind hand behind it all. Right, so we see the principles of reaping and sowing, but what we miss is that there's covenant behind that with the true God. Right, yeah. So when there's covenant in relationship, then it don't matter if you reap and sow all you want to. 
you can still have a cursed product because you don't honor God in what you do. So it doesn't just because you you put seed in the ground, right? We're doing this right now. Um, we are putting seed in the ground. We're getting out fruit, and it's cursed. Right. And we're and and we just think, oh, maybe we just make some better soil, and so we use all the fertilizer we can. We get put some more seed in the ground, it comes up, and it's still not cursed. And that's because this new bug came in, guys, that we're trying to take out. And so now we're gonna go and just go to this the scientists and get them to put a special kind of seed in the ground right. with this new special dirt, and it's cursed. And it's because it while God is not a slot machine, there really is covenant relationship right. that we need to make sure we have inside of how we do business. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I mean, I think a good example is, you know, in America, when let's say, let's say just for imaginative purposes, we are the wealthiest nation the world has ever seen in the history of time. Yeah. Even our poor people are fat, as yeah. Chris Rock famously said. Right. right? We, we <laughs> um, and there shouldn't be any reason for uh, the, the uh, everything to fall apart. Right. right. Everything should keep. Yeah. 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 If it's a slot right. machine, if, like if it that. was a slot machine. Yeah. But then you look at the history of, of, um, the, you look at the, the unrepentant sin mm. in the history of America. Walker Percy, uh, in, uh, one of his novels, love in the ruins. He, he talks about, uh, America, America was given all the, resources like no nation had ever seen yeah. given opportunity like no nation it was ever seen. And all it had to do was not take advantage of the powerless black man put uh, in his hand. Brother. <laughs> yeah. 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 All yeah. It was a one small test. Yeah. He said, and we failed so miserably. Well, we failed on the Indians before we even <laughs> yeah, got to that right. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Event. Yeah. Eventually with the, it's, it's, the, the relationship with the Native Americans is more complex than the no, relationship right. with, no, no. Just with the black folks. True, but pretty much straightforward. But like, every, I think, though, like, oh, we, we had, just import slaves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? But remember how that was made illegal in like 300s? Like, <laughs> Didn't end well yeah, yeah. at all. No. For any- so, so we're still uh, we're reaping our unfaithfulness, which is eating up now the prosperity. Mm. Now, uh, a lot of that prosperity. Um, was came from the faithfulness of some of the people, right? Mm. But that, but there was national sin that remained remained unrepentant, or that we remained unrepentant, uh, and and we reap the fruits of that as well. With with um, a pseudo or is it neo capitalism? Would that be a, how? What did you call it earlier? Oh, laissez faire. Laissez faire. Yeah. Are we still laissez faire? Are we even worse now? Well, we're fascists now. It's a whole different, <laughs> a whole different system. But what do you mean? That's where the uh, so fascism um, as an economic system, it uh, has a it is where the government um, intervenes mm. and um, and supports or doesn't support certain uh, corporations and mm. and um, gives favor to certain corporations or sells favor to certain corporations um, in exchange for uh, support of its power. It's interesting because according to Romans 13, there is a part where the government absolutely is supposed to reward what is good. So, and, and I mean reward in the sense that it praises. Yeah. These yeah. are the, you know, um, and so it seems like we've taken certain incentives that we probably shouldn't have 
taken and given them. And, and then so now when the left comes in, they're like, hey, you know, so we've kind of abused that. Instead of saying, like, this is a good thing to do, be like this, um, encourage these kind of companies who act this way. Um, I don't know if how that would look necessarily politically, but at least to say way to go be this way. And and I thought for a while that the incentives to have kids was one of those things. And I've changed my position on this where the government's like, good job. Great. Having kids. We're going to give you a tax break. It's like timeout. <laughs> um, and, and I realized that it was a trap a little bit because what's happened is now they've decided to bring in this, um, World, what do they call it? The World Economic um, uh, Paycheck. I can't remember how they. But, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, it just lost me that quick. The, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, minimum world minimum income. Yeah, yeah exactly. Something. And so we're not trained for it here in America yet, <laughs> right? We're not trained. That's not our thing. And what they've decided to do is to take that tax incentive. This is exactly what Biden and the, and Romney have already came out and said in order to get that that World Economic paycheck or whatever that they're doing um I'll just be so mad at myself when i listen to this like what was it um y'all know what it is um we're going to give you your tax credit on your kids and a paycheck every month from us right and so this whole system's backwards anyway but what they're doing is saying okay so now if you have for me i think my check would be like forty five hundred dollars or something like that it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And they would pay it out your, your every month so that you get used, used to getting this check at a particular time. So when they come in with that, um, you know, paycheck, it's like, oh, I'm used to getting a check for $4,800 a month from the government. Where's my money? Yeah. You know? Um, and and what's, what's crazy is how quickly we adjust. Yes. Right? So, to depend upon it so that anyone that comes along and says – Hey, guess what? This actually isn't a good idea. Um, now looks like they're stealing. Mm. Right. Now they're just giving you some of your money back after taking. I mean, right, they, right. At the same time they did that, they put a fifty cent a gallon tax on gas. Right. So which of them is going to be? Did that go through? More? I don't know. But they, it, they was all that was inside of their. That was inside of the whole thing, right? So we're gonna we're gonna so which is of those is going to actually offset the other well there's no way that it, they're not going to end up taking more taxes while giving you some of it back right but the more of it that goes through their hands the less of it that comes out you know right and that's not in that's not in their sphere to be able to operate in anyway oh yeah for sure so and, and besides the fact that um but but do the do they are they supposed to be saying like okay you know, do, are they supposed to be incentivizing families now? They, they, and I'm like, well, no, because anything that the government incentivizes in one way or another. If people figure out a way in human nature, sinful nature to completely screw it up. Right. So now if you say, hey, I've seen this happen so many times, they incentivize people to go and kill rats. Well, well they create rat farms right. that make more yeah. rats and then they have and then they go get their check from the government. Yeah. And it's like, well, the government intended people to go kill those rats out there not to produce them. Right. So whenever the government incentivizes something rewards for it, it, it sinful man figures out a way to. <laughs> well, and, and even beyond that, one of the ways that um, the black family was attacked was this very means Right. Is is mm. you they go in and say, um, well, hey, look, we're going to give you uh, help, help if you get married. It goes away. Yeah. So if they're single women, single women yeah. with a kid, you get this amount of help. If you get married, it all goes away so um, because now yep. that guy's got to. 
And so we've had a lot of people's families that were split because of the fact it's like, well, we get more money if you're not here. So just go get a different address. Well, that's not, that's not good. So you, so you have the undermining of the family in the name of compassion, um, the, uh, the undermining of the, so you know, the nuclear family is, um, is historically the uh, best defense against poverty. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody sees that. Yeah, Everybody yeah. sees that. And, um, but that has, that has been undermined in the name of defending people against poverty. And I think there are some people that are doing it on purpose. They've, they are evil. There are other people that are foolish. They don't see what they're doing. They imagine a kid hungry, and they say, ah, that, that's too painful, because they, don't, they, they see their own kids. They imagine a kid like their kid hungry somewhere, and they say, okay, I feel terrible. Here, you know, take, take care of this. Just take, you know, give, give, give them tax money. Right? Uh, but guilt makes us manipulable. Mm. And people have figured that out. And until we learn how to take our guilt and put it on Christ, we won't. We'll we'll just continue to be easy to manipulate. So twenty, the last two last year and a half, everyone is looking at what's going down around them, and they're realizing they need to make some decisions about how to live the next fifteen to oh, the the rest of their lives in this new world. <laughs> yeah, because after the coronavirus. We're living in a new world. I've realized the old world is gone. Yeah. Whatever was in that old world that I grew up in in the 80s and the 90s, it's gone. And it's not coming back. We're um, Actually, we probably should have saw signs of this. And I was talking about this on the show uh, last week. After the Twin Towers went down, what Americans did, we gave away all of our freedoms for the, for the Patriot Act, I believe it was. And we said, you can... Look at us, search us up and down, touch us, take our stuff privately, investigate us without us knowing about it. So long as you keep us safe. Yeah. We gave up all of our freedoms for safety. And that's not something you can do. Like, it's impossible. You just committed yourself to being a slave. That's what you just did. Right. And so everybody's trying to figure out how they move around in this new world. And you have a lot of people who are relocating their businesses, relocating how they live and work and who their new people are because there's fault lines that they didn't see before. Their churches have exposed themselves for who they really are. And the way that we're thinking about doing business now is almost um, under the table because you're getting forced vaccinations. You're getting forced into operate a particular from in your local environments. And that's not from the federal government, just in your local governments. <clears throat> and so everybody's redrawing these districts and lines. And since we're redrawing these district and lines, how we need to be thinking about economics right now, it's kind of like a good reset. There's a great opportunity. A great reset. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's Jesus' yeah, reset, yeah. baby. Um, no, it's, there is. There's a huge opportunity. And um, <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot. And uh, th- there's a couple of things. One... I think we need to look at things like Black Wall Street mm. and the the establishment of a just a secondary economics, a side by side economics. Come on now, you better say that again. So and, and and say, oh no, they were onto something, and and understand the okay, the reason that 
you started, especially, um, you know, the Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws were evidence that black folks were becoming a threat to the majority economic. Mm. They said, oh, we got to put them in the back of the bus. Well, yeah, actually, I would even go before Jim Crow laws. Yeah. 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 I think you got um, you got the red codes. You had black codes. Right. So yep. this is after I think after recon, or during the time of reconstruction, 1867, yep. right around the era um, when we had the Colfax, um, Colfax, Louisiana. That was a moment, I think, mm-hmm. that turned everything. So you have black people voting for the first time. Black Republicans get inside of office and then white Democrats come in, burn down the place and kill like 167 black people. Right. Um, or, oh, actually, more than 300 black people. Just execute them right then and there. And Grant has to send down the military, right. hold trials. No one's arrested. I mean, well, no one is tried for the murders. But from there, though, you get um, black codes. You had red coats, and then you get black codes, and then you get the um, uh, civil, not civil. Um, you just said it, Jim Crow. Jim Crow. Yeah. From yeah. that, you get Jim Crow, right. right? And so you're right. There, they that threat. And that was you know, ninety years before Martin Luther King, right? right. So you're right. You and. and and that's evidence. So, had had black folks looked <coughs> around and and said, "Okay, we got freedom. Let's use it well. Let's build up uh, an economics." They weren't given access to uh, some of the historic economics, but they understood if I serve my neighbor well, that we can build our own economic system. They built a side by side economic so system, good. and it was a threat. And so I, they tried right. to crush it. There's this Go ahead. It was it was Master P, right? That wouldn't that that said, "Wait, how much money are you offering me?" Yes. How Ma- much? How much are they making off me? That's right. right. Master P was it went to Sony Records, and Sony offered him like fifteen, twenty million dollars when he had did No Limit. Yeah. And him and his brother walked out, and his brother was so <laughs> upset at him, like, "Why would you do that? To turn down fifteen, twenty million dollars." He's like, if I'm making them fifteen, twenty million dollars, how much are they making off? Of me? How much are they yeah. making off of me? Right, and, and just learn. I think we need to learn to think like that. And so, you know, some ice get some Ice Cube in there too, who looked at Easy E and said, "But not with him." Right? Mm. <laughs> he said, he said, and he was talking about right, the manager. Yeah, yeah, Easy E and uh, the the manager at the time, where Easy was like, "I'm going with this guy," and Ice Cube was like, "I'm out." Because the way you're living is going to lead to the gutter. Even if you're making money now, you're going to end up in prison or dead. And one of them ended up in prison. One of them ended up dead. Jerry Heller. Yeah. yeah. So and and so Ice Cube said, "Yeah, I I'm creating my own um, my own economic uh, atmosphere to yeah. to live in and infrastructure, I'm, infrastructure, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing. But I'm not doing it with them because of." their character. Right? So he was able to, to make a distinction within the economics and say, yeah, all the money in the world, um, like easy's got that leads to death is mm. not worth it. You know, and I want to say, when you talk about black wall street, the reason that that story is really important, people need to spend a lot more time mm-hmm. investigating that because in black wall street. So you had the, there was a few of them. I think there was an, another lynching like 1940s, but black wall street is an era 1919, 1920, um, that era. And so that is right after reconstruction is over. The, it failed, right? It was a great time for a moment. We had black voting rights that existed. Black people in 1920 didn't have 
all the rights given to them that happened 40 years later. Right. right? But they didn't, but they didn't wait around for permission. That's my yeah. point. Yeah. They built an economic structure that rivaled Wall Street to the point that it was called Black Wall Street on their own in, yeah. in a little, in a little town outside of Tulsa. And you know what I mean? And so yeah. for them to do that and to produce that kind of wealth, um, it, it shows that you don't have to have all the access you think you need to have yeah. in order to be able to be uh, successful in God's world the way that he's designed it right. when you're faithful and loving your neighbor in particular ways. It became so crazy. And here's one of the things that was really interesting about what Black Wall Street. Just because they were being discriminated against didn't make them discriminate. Right. And when they went to reinvest uh, their money, you got – uh, Harlem Renaissance, right? Right. You, you, they also looked around and they said, "Yes, who can uh, we? Yeah. <laughs> we we also we need That's good, Jason. We need art. We need music. Mm-hmm. We need poetry. I mean, some of the poetry that came out of the Harlem Renaissance is some of the best poetry that American has been produced on American land. And the the um, this is why I'm a reconstructionist. <laughs> <the>, Seriously, <laughs> the uh, the the true um, the the one of the the most important measures of whether or not there's 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 wealth versus money. Mm. When you have wealth, then uh, it supports the arts. When you just have money, you don't you don't necessarily get arts. You had real wealth grow up in the black community, <laughs> and, and the and and that art ended up I mean, really spreading throughout the whole world. You know, and, and as you, uh, you you can be in in uh, Korea and hear a gospel choir. Well, this is why. From that though, <laughs> there's so many things connect. Wealth is wealth with it has culture. It's not mm. just a finance. Yeah. It has. This is something that's so important. Black Wall Street at that time in that era was not dealing with the lack of black families. Black Wall Street was built from husbands and wives and children and neighbors who had husbands and wives and children that had a culture, right? And one of the things that I see so much that when, I, when I'm when i watching the, <laughs> oh, I'm getting in trouble on this one. When I'm watching people go to their school boards and these school meetings and all these women are getting up there fighting for their kids I'm thinking to myself, we're the men, first of all. But what they just proved to me when they're going to these school boards is that they don't have a culture to fight yeah. against, fight with, fight with, right. fight with, yeah. right? They, they have nothing, and they're up here at the school boards begging that they, since because that's who they share their kids with. Yeah, right. <laughs> they got your culture right there, and you're asking them for a piece of it. Could you at least while you have my kids, could you not teach them critical race theory? Right, like you're not right. even asking for the kid in caboodle. Right, <laughs> yeah. Like you just while you have our kids there, me and my husband were wondering if it's possible that you're not teaching critical race theory. It's like, uh, yeah. them your kids. Right, and and schools are one of the, you know, um, one of the institutions that passes down culture from generation to generation. They are passing down a culture. Can't help but to. Yeah, can't. Help That's what education is. Paideia. Right, right. Exactly. it is a culture. Exactly, and so. <laughs> Um, and, and we, if the church has depended upon somebody else to pass its culture down Mm. for way too long, at least the last 150 years. And, and, but here, here's the thing. If, if we say, well, we're going to build an alternate culture. One of the things we have to understand is that will land us in the back of the bus. Mm. Right. 
And but if you can't see, you're already back there. You know, I've always wanted to say this. It's like, I, my, here's my problem with my white friends. They have never not been in the front of the bus. So they have no idea, you know, um, what that transition looks like. <laughs> so it's happening all in front of them. And that's why they're like, what is going on here? Something is, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah, you just, everything's just shifted for you. And I'm trying to tell y'all, this leads to where we just came out of 60 years ago. I ain't that. No, it is. But you know what I mean? Like, I, there's totally. a, and I'm like, y'all, they doing this to y'all right now. <laughs> and, but, but we, this is the, another thing that, that, uh, did you watch Summer of Soul yet? Yes. Oh, I, I did. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that. We're, we're, see, <laughs> no, we're going to no. be here for another two hours. But here's the thing. Yeah. Um, when you realize what year that was. Yeah. You, you I realize know. they, <sighs> so. Um, Lost Malcolm. I, I know. Right? Lost you, Martin. That, you know. And, but you, you also realize that at that point, black culture was a juggernaut that was not being stopped. It was taking over. And it was a fight for black culture then. It, yeah. it was. Yeah. But they, what they, but how they won, they didn't go to the federal government and say, can we please have some access? Mm. They turned the back of the bus into the place where everybody wanted to be. Mm. Right. Until basically. That's how they really want. That's how they really want. Yeah, right? That's how they really want. Oh, no, yeah. Right. And so pretty soon, you're saying they won with a culture. They won with a culture, right? Yeah. So that um, they had the best music. They had uh, they had the music, the dancing, the poetry, the uh, the the church. But music. that all came out of struggle. Like that's that's the thing too. And that's why Christians, we, because Christians want to avoid that, we won't find our way um, through. Because and, Christians want to avoid the struggle. Yeah. Because right now Christian culture. I don't know how to define it anymore. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah, what yeah. it, you know, it's, um, it's, it's bland. Yeah. Cause there's, it's, it's not, modular too, <laughs> it, it, but it's not resurrection culture. Mm. Cause it hasn't died. That was one of the things that time. watching summer of soul was really interesting to me. They had more Christian bands up there than secular bands. I know. And the secular bands, I, I think I told you about this it was kind of like Juneteenth. Like Juneteenth, man, everybody went crazy over Juneteenth. Like, oh, Juneteenth, it's so, you know, kettle race theory. I'm like, man, people have been celebrating Juneteenth forever. Shut up. Yeah. You know, like, it's not critical. We've been, and we always have had crazy uncle at Juneteenth. Like that. And Nina Simone was the crazy uncle. Yeah. Like, black people, are you ready to kill if necessary? <laughs> All the black people are like, yeah. <laughs> like, somebody get her off stage. <laughs> but, no, just, but when she sang. Yeah, but she's but you know she was singing angry, and I think that and there was a reason for that. There's but but you, you listen to young Nina Simone, and you listen to her sing, and people remember that, and the, they, they're attached. They, to. they remember, they 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 understand that. Yeah, okay, she's right now. This this maybe isn't great that she's wondering should we murder everybody on stage, <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe, right. maybe it's a bad idea to tell them what y'all about to do. <laughs> but at the same time, they're like, "But we know how much she has blessed us throughout the years with her voice, yeah, and the sacrifices that she's made." They gave her a grace. So, so, so like, you, we're we. She deserves to continue to be honored, even though at that moment 
the elder it wasn't kind of, her best moment. Yeah, it wasn't her best moment, right? Yeah. No. That's good. Because no, you, you got to take her life as a whole and not just those moments. Yeah. Because that's how yeah, I would want to be treated. Yeah. There is, you know, the complication for me in that is who was the real person at that point? Like, who was, who were you really? Did you mature and this is the fruit of what you really were and yeah. we just didn't know that? Or was she just being taken advantage of? Or was so she long? just abused in such yeah. a way that that is, I'm bitter right now and that's coming out. That's hard to know sometimes it, it in those moments. You know, and, that, and that's why you gotta always you have a lot of grace. You have that. a lot of grace. Well, and and take you know, interpret every everybody's life, not in snapshots. I mean that, and that's that's so hard well, right well, now. Okay, I'm willing to I'm willing to do that so long as the people who use Nina Simone as a reason to be violent don't do the same thing. Right? Oh, yeah, no. Say, hey, that, remember what she said? It's in her soul. Yeah. Like, yeah, you need to take that in a snapshot. <laughs> right. <Okay? Yeah. laughs> that wasn't Nina's full career. Yeah, 100%. So, but and, I, yeah. Yeah. And all, and all of it. I mean, that, that's, it's the, it's the same. Cause there, cause there are people that you look at it and you say, oh, that snapshot's nice. And then you step back and you're like, oh, but look at the movie. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that's true. Right. And then there's people that it's the other way around. So. Yeah, I, yeah. It's funny. That's Malcolm like, X is kind of like that for yeah, me. Yeah. He's like he's he. There's a bigger. Yeah. The one of the things that summer well, so and the, the movie lost. I mean, the TV show lost. I think. Oh, you've got each character. Here you go. Each character is given an episode where they're a good guy and a bad guy, and the only difference is editing. Right? They edit the character, the person into a good guy one episode and the bad guy. That's that's wisdom. Right. Yeah, and and um, and it tells you something about a story. Mm-hmm. What they did was create an environment in laws where all we got is each other. Right. And so, so it mattered. It character the is this character a good guy or a bad guy mattered to the limit. Right. Because we're stuck on an island. Stuck, and it matters to the moment. Right. So, yeah. are you going to give your belt as a tourniquet? So this person can live, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though we know now from the past that you kill everybody you run in contact. <laughs> so right. That show was brilliant. Yeah. And so it made For a couple of seasons. Yeah. It, 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 there's some ambiguous ethics in some of this that was like, uh, I don't know. I think we should have a tribunal. Get rid of this guy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying that. Yeah. So I get one of the things that summer saw though was really interesting was if you watch that, um, one thing that I've appreciated about singing psalms is here's a good example. I'm going to come back to Summer Soul. Yeah. Toby did a news brief recently talking about the, um, the all the hurt and harmful things that are happening over in Afghanistan, the people who helped and served us as we're trying to do something we shouldn't have been trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've given their lives. You know, you got 20 year old people over there who only know an American presence haven't had a Taliban who've, you know, influence, haven't had an Islam influence, you know, mostly, um, American influence has been there and, and they've given their lives to see a different world. And then that was all just kind of taken away from them. And so you got babies that are getting tossed over barbed wire fences and some of them landing in the fences and, you know, the people who are getting their arms cut off and IDs burnt to their chest and women who are getting their eyes plucked out. And it, you just, there's so many, it's just horrible. Right. And then at the end of his news brief, um, he ends with a psalm. Uh, it actually wasn't a psalm. It was a, it was a hymn that I think, uh, to the word. And the comforting truth of that song put all of that in a context for me where it was like, God will be just. Yeah. He will judge the wicked. 
and your day is coming. And it, and it gave my heart a hope and a comfort that I, before hearing all that mess, it was like, what do I, what do you do with yeah. this? And the hurt from everything that happened in Afghanistan that's going on in Afghanistan while, you know, I'm not in the middle of it. I don't know what those people are really going through and I can't speak to it, but I know God's going to be just in it. Watching the summer of soul and watching a people sing the truths about God that they knew in the middle of their struggle was like a war chant for God to come. And then when he does, there will be victory. When justice comes, we will be free. We will have somebody will judge rightly about us. Um, and that was in their music in such a way that it made me think, my goodness, the, the, the modern church doesn't have those type of songs in their repertoire anymore. Right. And God has given us a book. And this goes back to culture, right? The, the culture from dealing with so much hurt produced these hurts. And like, how does God deal with these hurts? What's the struggle through these hurts? How do we? And it became... Um, that's what our soul music was. Yeah. <laughs> it was like our souls are crying out on this. Uh, R&B and all, and, and blues, that's what that was. And the church has neglected to sing those type of songs anymore. So now when something happens and we see injustice in the world, we don't have a song to sing. Yeah. And I mean, cause we have no culture right. that's, you know, but in, and you look at the the root of all those different kinds of music was the spirituals. Yeah. Oh, singing, ab- yeah. Right? Negro spirituals. So absolutely. You have the you have the the spirituals born out of the kind of suffering that you say, well, what's there left to do mm-hmm. if there's no God? Mm-hmm. Right? Then we're in trouble. And the so crying out, Lord, are you there? Let justice roll down. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the modern church. The word judge is a negative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how soft our lives Come on have been, now. Yeah. Right? We we say, well, do you want, do you really want God to judge? And everybody's like, no, 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 no. Right, right, right. That's how soft we've become is because the word judge is you want a judge to come. Mm-hmm. Right? Vindication. Because yeah, <laughs> um, when, when, because a judge comes to put things right. You want, I mean, the book of judges is not a book of somebody coming through and saying mean things about you that make you feel bad. Right. Mm. But that's like the, that's the worst that we can imagine in the modern church is well, we don't want to make people feel bad. Um, but the, the, but it's because we, the, we have, we have sheltered ourselves from the needs, uh, the, the need for the world to be put right. Mm. Um, and you know, there's lots of ways we've done it, but we still must have it really nice. Yeah, you know we, what I mean. Like yeah, we, we absolutely it, do. It, we're just we we don't know how nice we have it still, and so you know, I'm realizing when I'm going through here in Moscow, watching Gabe get arrested and singing psalms, I realized you know at that moment, like I needed something to sing yeah. because I needed God to vindicate the situation. <laughs> Right. <laughs> because I could yeah. right now, but yeah. that wouldn't be justice. That wouldn't be righteous. And if right. God's going to vindicate the situation, I'm going to be judging the process from handling it wrong too. Right. And so, I mean, we're told to save room for the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Um, not because, because God's wrath is, is just and restorative when ours 
isn't. isn't. Yeah. yeah. So when we when we, so with everything shifting, we have a great opportunity in front of us to be able to rethink how we are doing um, economics. Right. So right now with our if if you you know we've kind of been talking about capitalism, what are some of the things that we need not to take in with us as we're moving you know into this new transition from kind of this um, mixed bag of evolutionary capitalism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a, a big part of it is so much of the way we think about, uh, we, we don't think about wealth um, generally very clearly. Right. And so, um, you know, I've been doing some, some uh, speculative real estate development um, and working on a project up in Spokane. And it's amazing talking to real estate people, how ma- how many of them, are not concerned with owning wealth as long as they get some of the bank's money. Mm. We're if everything continues in the direction it is, we're not going to have access to the bank's money anymore. And if our habitual way of thinking about uh, wealth is, is in terms of money rather than in terms of slave uh, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. um, Where we say, well, I'm going to, just keep leveraging against the bank's money and see how much of the bank's money I can get into my account in the process of leveraging. Mm. That's, that is not a, we're not thinking in terms of wealth because that's not something that if you lose access to the banks, you lose access to the way that, uh, to the way of getting a hold of the money. If instead you're, you're building up means of production of some, something that serves your neighbor, um, he, if it if it comes to you know mm. trading in eggs or something, you know you, you you're always gonna have a neighbor. Right? <laughs> yeah, Somebody's you're always gonna, gonna have a neighbor, yeah. right? Um, the you you might not have access to the bank, but you'll always have a neighbor, and um, that's it. But it's such a different way of thinking that you're not thinking how do I get mine. You think <laughs> ah, who can I serve? You know, who it's, can I bless? That's so good, who, man. Keep going. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about. So it's a, yeah, so, so I think that that's a big part of the mentality um, that needs to to shift and change. And you know, you, um, it's it's such a it's 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 easy to shift, um, and, and then it's also just easy to think, you know, I need to. What do I have permission to do? And what do I not have permission to do? Um, how can I? Uh, I mean. You you have to get a a permit to cut hair, you know. But do you though? <laughs> but do you right? Do you yeah. <laughs> and um and and there's a there is a uh, a way of of uh, you know developing a that servant mentality. How can I serve my neighbors? Um, that doesn't uh, that doesn't need permission from mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. from the federal government to mm-hmm. begin serving. That's really good. One of the things that um, I'm trying to really teach my kids is I, I had them go do work for people um, and that would normally get paid. It's like, you know, I just want you to learn to work, but I also want you to learn what does that person really need? Right. At the end right. of the day, when you get done, there's things that they ask you to do, but that's not always what they really need. Right. How do you serve that person? How do you really give them what they need? And if you can't figure that out, then I don't want you to take a paycheck from them yet. 
<laughs> right. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anybody can do this right here. Yeah. But how do you, I mean, and sometimes what they really need is this to be done. And then for you to think another step on top of that to bless them even more. Like, so what do they really need? Yeah. You know? Well, this is, so this is, this is, um, C.S. Lewis talks about, uh, that, um, you know, a, a guy that goes out, uh, he, he says a guy that goes out, um, looking for a woman at the bars is not actually looking for a woman. He's looking for uh, a pleasure that a woman hap- happens to be the necessary apparatus to. Mm. And, he, and then he says, and you don't keep the pack or you, you don't keep the package after you finish smoking the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But he says, you're not actually, if you were looking for a woman, yeah. then you would go out a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. You would go out thinking, what does it look like to serve a woman? What does it look like to love a woman? What does it look like for a woman to, um, to prosper as a woman? Mm. Right? And you approach that differently than you do when you go out looking to get laid. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a friend of mine is a pastor that wears a collar, and he was um, sitting in a bar once, and a couple of guys bought him a beer and came over, and, and, uh, and he waved him over, and they came over, and they said, Hey, it's, hey Pastor, we're just wondering if you could pray for us. And he's like, I would love to. What can I pray for you? And he said, well, we're both hoping to get laid tonight. Do you think you could pray a blessing that we'd get laid tonight? <laughs> and he was like, sit down. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk this through. Yeah. Let me talk about what you actually need, right? Yeah. They, they, they are confused about what they're for. Mm. Um, so they're approaching the situation differently than they ought to. So often in our economic interactions, we do the same thing. We get confused about what a person is for. And so we approach them thinking, what can I, you know, um, we approach them like a vampire thinking, how much blood can I get from them? Mm. Rather than approaching them saying, what would it look like for them to flourish? How can I serve them in such a way that they will move towards that flourishing? And some of the evidence of that, that we're doing that is, is there's all kinds of evidence, but the clearest evidence is uh, just like a, the pimple on the face has yeah. been the requirement of vaccinations for pe- their employ- people's employees. Right. And this is, and sometimes it's employers that are just, they just look around and they haven't been thinking about any of these things. And all well, of because sudden, their metaphysic is broken. <laughs> right, like, yeah, like they're not yeah. thinking, what is it? What are these people for? Like, right. what is? Yeah. yeah. And so they, so then all of a sudden they think they're, th- they've been thinking in terms of image. What kind of, you know, they're, they're thinking more like a, a Venus flytrap, right? They're thinking, okay, how do I uh, get flies to come over that I can, snap on and devour mm. and um you know that so it's the other way around so mm. it's that that moment when somebody says well you got to vaccinate or else they think oh no fly is going to come over here if i've got unvaccinated employees or you know, they, they don't have any or i mean there, there's all sorts of or or they're thinking oh man that if i don't get out make sure make all my employees get vaccinated when i go down to the country club later um I'm going to be in a weird spot and maybe they're not right. going to keep letting me in, you know, that so sometimes it's social pressure. Sometimes it's economic pressure, but, but they've been, and I have no problem with social pressure. I just want the social pressure to be a certain type of pressure, <laughs> right? Like you don't <laughs> glean. What do you mean? You don't glean, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. You're right. The, the social pressure is unavoidable. It's yeah. just whether or not it's pressure 
towards godliness or away from that's it. That's right. Um, the, but, but all of those uh, um, are just evidence that people are unprepared because they haven't been thinking about uh, mm. their neighbor properly. Mm. Right? They haven't been thinking in, in the servanthood, ab, yeah, servanthood attitude. So, so then if, and, and here's the, and here's the big kicker, the evidence that they haven't been thinking that is, it's popping up is because the church who supposedly is to bring the word of God. So people know what God's standard is on this thing are doing this. They shut down. Yep. They required masks to enter. They start having two different types of services and then <laughs> they're requiring vaccinations now. And so the church, I can just tell you, I've already seen four, four churches. And here's a kicker. I saw a black church do it. I was like, what the heck's wrong with y'all? Do you, I got, look, I'm going nuts right now because out of all the people, I expected my social justice friends, my social justice warriors out there who we disagree on all kinds of stuff. But one thing that they have a nose for is discrimination. Right. And so I expect their nose to be extremely attuned to any sort of laws or um, mandates that would force black people or minorities or anybody. Because I don't think I think black people have a responsibility, especially those people who have ever been in the lower part of uh, the, the, the culture, have a responsibility not just for their own race to say when something's wrong, but for anybody. Yeah. So when they started killing more white people than black, when the police started killing more white people than black people, black people should have been like, yeah, that's a problem. Why y'all killing y'all own like this, though? <laughs> like, can a white boy live, too? You know, <laughs> can, can, can we all just live? That's all I'm saying, because the problem was transcending race and the people who could see it, who had a really good um the pulse on something was broken was the minorities. And so they should have spoke up far beyond the racial issue and said, we have a ethical problem here that transcends yeah. a racial issue. Right. And, and so I'm looking at them right now, seeing the, in New York right now, the, the large majority of black people, things like 73% or something like that are not getting vaccinated in New York city. Just recently with the new mandates, you just excommunicated a whole bunch of black folks from being able to go into environments in the public again, <laughs> again. <laughs> I mean, that's what we I just, haven't heard about this, but that's, I mean, that's like, that's insane. You can't come to this lunch right, counter. Right. Like, I'm sorry, man. You can't, you can't come, come in the store. Lunch counter. I can't come You're in. You're like, uh, are we, we going to do sit-ins? Right. Know. And like, then there's other, yeah, exactly. And there's other crazy people saying, well, this is not the same thing as a civil rights. Like, hold on, man, this is worse. Cause they doing it to white people too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I think, I mean, the, I, there's a, a, um, if we continue to divide it, uh, divide people up into, um, racial groups to give political and then give political advantage uh-huh. to one, I mean, there, there's nothing. There's nothing sinful about noticing you know, racial differences, right. um, biological differences, and we know that because we prize ourselves in some of them. Yeah, right, right. right. We, we we know that because we're like, yes, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it's polit- it's it's granting political advantage based on any of those things that that's a problem. Right. Um, imp- empires, though, depend upon granting political advantage based on. Um, holding the proper ideas, 
right? So, um, and mm. and so I think what's the, what has happened is we've ac- we've actually been slowly shifting into an empire mentality, imperialism. Slowly, um, <laughs> I mean, slowly in the sense that it's been going on for a while. Yeah, <laughs> it's sped up recently. You mean that we're finally understanding that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, the this division into ideologies um, mm. is is actually we need to resist it at that level, right? And and say mm. this is not an ideological. We're this is not a, a matter. Uh, we're we're not going to allow. Uh, our people, our neighborhoods, our cities to be divided up into us and them based on what ideas we have in our head. We, 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 we should, God doesn't divide the world up. You know, ideologically. What? You're, there is a lot of the foundations that we operate on that are doing that very thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my biggest fight when it comes to, baptism between presbyterians and baptists yeah because i i don't think we have the luxury at all in christendom even though we can i'm not saying you have to be presbyterian i'm not right. saying that yeah, at yeah. all that's not what people i don't even care some in some senses of how you, i mean i wish you I baptized your kid yeah, I, I mean but i mean i don't care <laughs> that you have a different um theological position on the issue of baptism you can have that the part that i begin to really care about is when we excommunicate each other Yep. Because of that. Right. So that now if I'm a Presbyterian and my kids are baptized and I go to your Baptist church, can we have communion together? Yeah. Unfortunately, we taught America how to divide. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. We have. So that's my biggest thing on baptism. It's like, okay, can we still act like we believe that this is a secondary issue when it relates to the issue of baptism so that we don't lose fellowship with each other? And and that is that should be the strength that Christians bring um, to the table in a situation like this, is that we refuse to be divided into ideological camps, right? So because empires depend upon us being divisible into ideologies, mm. right? and um, mm. be and because that's Marxism right there, right? It is, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's Marxism. Any any sort of internationalism. But because when God says, uh, how does the world divide it up? He divides it up into tongues, languages, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people groups, Mm -hmm. cultures. Uh, Cultures, that's not a – people groups. (laughs) Uh, Tribes, nations, cities. There there are ways that he divides them up. It's never – he doesn't divide us up into people that have this set of ideas versus people that have that set of ideas. I would even say, but I would even say that the divide that I like to make, and I think that's all true. Especially as you go through the Bible, you see the um, sacrifices that are being made. It's yep. all in there, like that in the, in the Old Testament. I would even go and say that the, the, the clearer marker would be covenant sign, right? Right. Well, and, and so all those different things are are signs of um, you know, which group of people you identify with, um, but then the then that the fundamental ones are all covenantal. Right. Yeah. The fundamental identity markers yeah. are covenantal. So I can go to somebody that speaks a different language than me. Right. Um, and there's nothing fundamentally different about a Christian. You know, I got to spend some time uh, working with some, doing some teacher training in Iraq. 
um, teaching classroom classroom management in Iraq, and uh, which was amazing. But what was interesting is hanging out with Christians there. Um, we didn't speak the same language. We did, you know, we didn't. Uh, we we sang a few of the same hymns, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Some of the classic hymns they were singing in Arabic, and um, and but the fellowship was deep and mm. and abiding, even though it's through a translator, you know. Yeah. Um, but the because the thing that makes us who we are is more fundamental than those things. But it was actually that makes it so that you can celebrate and enjoy those differences. I mean, we mm. I, I got to be there. I got to preach at a church in um, De Hook on the second anniversary of the legalization of evangelism in De Hook. Right. So for two two, it had been illegal for over a thousand years to evangelize. It was legalized two years previous, and so there was a celebration, and I got to to preach and. Wow. Um, it was a, a huge honor. And, and then, um, the, and then afterwards, each of the people that had been converted and baptized in that two years stood up and gave their testimony. And it was more than 50% of the church, right? So the church had doubled in size since the legalization of evangelism. And then this was amazing. They pull out this huge basket full of Roman candles, hand it out to all the kids, light it, inside the sanctuary and we start singing <laughs> and everybody's lighting off fireworks inside it was the most I, it was surreal roman and, candles just roman popping candles. off and yeah. it was all the kids so like they, they probably two three and up they gave the kids roman candles <laughs> and they're dancing up and down the aisles shooting roman candles while we sing uh, a hymn and um and i it was such what a, bible verse is that again <laughs> paul's like what is going on? Yeah. and i was but i was like this would not happen in the American <laughs> church. This we we value things uh, differently, not, and it's not that one is superior to the other. But it it did open to my eyes to some of the things like uh, we value safety in our kids in a, that it, probably an imbalanced way, right? Sure. Just, we got burned, and if they did, it's just a Roman candle. And, you know, um, I'm just trying to figure out what part <laughs> in the ceremony does Paul write Roman candles can go off in the. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. you got your, I don't know. You I got, got your, my your, my Presbyterian yeah, Reform pres- side is like. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll work on that. Yeah, we'll work is, on that. <laughs> this is where so I was never charismatic, so I'm I'm looser. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I'm just like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. See, yeah. This probably for me is like the the, the like the charismatic side of me. Like, that's great. But I know where it's gonna go. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. this, this is but, not. But mm-hmm. the the but they they celebrate and then we and then church ended and then we went out and we danced. Yeah. in the front yard. It's these big circle dances and um, break dance. They had <laughs> no, oh. it was it was okay. Yeah, it's picnic dancing is what okay. they called it. But, picnic dancing. Um, and it but it was they they had they believed they had something to celebrate. And so they were celebrating with their summer whole soul, body. right? That's yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they they uh, said we are we are. They they had a culture that they were celebrating. I gotta ask, Jason. What's I mean? What's it gonna take for my Presbyterian white brothers and sisters to start doing that? <laughs> Heaven? I mean, I'm just wondering. Like, what's it gonna take? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we. The, I want to see Doug Wilson cut a jig. I'm just saying. I want to see it happen. I want to see. Come in. I mean, I'll 
I'll, I'll go dancing. Yeah, but you, you know, you, you're different. <laughs> this might be true. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder. You know, there is when you see, and this is kind of goes back to my comment earlier about my my white brothers and sisters. It's been a long time since they've had. It's been a couple hundred years at least, <laughs> well, more than that. Some of them have come over from Italy, and there's a different culture yeah. vibe that's there, yeah. but they haven't known a form of oppression in the same way where. You know, and I think it's a lot of us. America spoiled all of us to where that you want to dance in response to the goodness of God, right? And and even in the trial, even in the dark stuff, and that comes out in some way or another. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it it is because because I don't think that's a cultural. I don't. I mean, I don't think that's a racial thing. No, it's not a racial thing. But but it, you know, you see it in movies like The Graduate, um, where people. Um, you gain a little bit of wealth and then you don't know what to do with the mm. Ecclesiastes side of life, mm. right? That things don't always just work out the way Proverbs says they're going to, right? Proverbs is the way the life generally works. But then Ecclesiastes is like, but you know, those times when it doesn't work out that way, mm. when the, the race doesn't go to the swift and you know, um, it's because there's actually this deeper aspect of God uh, expecting that the world is designed in such a way that you have to live by faith, mm-hmm. right? That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is about. Um, and that uh, you, so you gain a little bit of money and then you don't have any place where you think you fit anymore because the world stops making sense mm-hmm. and you become, uh, and, and you're told, well, you have to find an objective place in which to stand and look. And then you become incredibly self-conscious Right, aware of yourself and the fact that you don't fit in the world, and so you can't dance. Dancing requires um, a lack of self consciousness, and you, white people are way too self conscious. What just happened? That's okay. <laughs> That's a metaphysical reason why white people can't dance. <laughs> See, and it's mm, it's funny because it's. So it's mostly an American thing. Yeah, totally. And it's yeah. p- because of the blessing and the wealth. It's it's funny, too, as I've watched. Um, it's, it's, because it was, it, it's the blessing and the wealth and then the belief that it came from an idol and not um, from God. That's what it is. Tell your story, then I'll tell mine. So I've watched um, parts of black culture that have done really well for themselves They've matured, they've grown up, and all of a sudden, so you go to a charismatic church, it kind of has, you know, it's, there's a undignified kind of feel to it. You know, we're going we gonna to praise the Lord here now. And then there's a more dignified approach, you know, kind of, we don't shout like we used to. Uh, we don't, you know, but God's still moving, things are still good. We'll do a little clapping and some swaying. But that praise break don't kick in like it used to. You know, that praise break used to be like, okay, now we know what's on the menu, what we're supposed to do today. But uh, Spirit that came through and knocked off everything in here and it's all messed up. Now, you know, and there's some levels of, of, of black culture have raised beyond that. <laughs> it's like they don't dance no more. Yeah. They just don't, you know, and it's not going to. And I think it's, I think they're self-conscious. All that stuff is, is yeah. true. It was an interesting movie out on HBO about a um, – middle-class black kid trying to become a punk rocker right now. It's really, I mean, it's really interesting to watch. Huh. And there were some black punk rock um, groups. You know, there's Death in the late 70s. They were pretty good. And you They had, were all rejects, though. 
they, well, all the punks were rejects. Yeah, but, but the were, black ones were more reject though. It's like <laughs> they were. Uh, it's true. I mean, he done went white. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that is that is the um, that's the mentality that this HBO show uh-huh. has, right? And so because it was true. <laughs> yeah, so and and all his black friends are like, "What are you doing? Why are you acting white?" Right. And all the white punk kids are like. What are you doing? Why are you acting white? Why, why, are you, why are you acting? Well, why are you acting, why are you acting rich? Like, like the punk rock, the the punk. So there was a oh, there was poor punk rock, but then the wealthier folks that got involved with punk rock, it was a way of saying to their parents, "I'm not interested in the world that you're trying to pass down." Right. To me, right? I right. don't want your culture. I'm leaving the covenant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, but but it was what it was like rich people problem rich people grabbed onto interesting punk, right and so you have all these uh you know middle class kids shopping at at goodwill and value village pretending hot they're topic. poor yeah <laughs> and then hot topic is reselling reselling stuff from goodwill at yes. 20 times the price and, uh, right but but the uh there's this you know punk rock is is a middle class problem upper you know and mm. now you've got black folks that are middle class and having punk rock problems that's true. I remember I saw the first Gothic Black Kid. I was like, "Oh, you, you all right, huh? Life good, huh? <laughs> yeah." Like, and that, and, I ain't mad at you. Okay, see what you're doing. Because if I mean, you, you have to have enough space to look around at the world and say, uh, "I've got, I've got time. I don't have to, I don't have to work constantly, just hand to mouth to survive. I've got a little mm. bit of time to stop and reflect." I mean, Ecclesiastes was written by a king. It wasn't written by. A popper because a popper mm. doesn't have time to reflect or to, mm. to try out all those things. You know, one of the things that I can't pre- be Tom Bombadil. <sighs> That's a good point. Which, by the way, C.R. Uh, Wiley is writing a book on Bombadil. Yeah. Oh, oh really? yes, yes. I'm looking forward to that. Because uh, I because my theory on Ecclesiastes is that we read it like he's some sort of existentialist philosopher, but it's actually we should read it like it's written by Tom Bombadil. Mm. See, I I didn't have the experience of who Tom Bombadil was. You know, and and it's funny because uh, C.R. Wiley talks about it, it was like he was the most powerful man um, because he understood family. He understood what how it was a metaphysical thing. He understood what people are and what they're for, and because he knew that, he knew the songs. He knew, and and he knew right? his own place. He, he knew, knew his own place in it, and because of that, and one of the things Which that made him impossible to to move. Right, because he knew that, and that, that's and he, one of the things that C.R. Wiley says is like we've lost those songs. We don't remember those songs anymore. But the way things are going, we're starting to remember what those songs sound like. I thought that was a great line. It's like, yes, because there's something in us that when we hear those songs, we're like, that sounds familiar. I think that's what happens. That's what's happening. I think some of that happens on cross politics. I think Doug has been a huge part of that. I think the logos in the education, the things that we've seen for the last 40 years in Christian education are people saying, I identify with this song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Family and culture. Yeah, this song makes me move a little bit. <laughs> you know, like, I think we're learning how to dance. Yeah. You know, um, we're losing that um, our place <laughs> where we thought we were, and we're getting bumped. And we're learning how to have that. That song is starting. To, it sounds familiar. Like we should be singing that song. You know, well, and, and you know the the ways that a culture is knit together are is not by its ideas. Right, a culture, mm. a, a people group is not knit is knit together. By its song and its dance and its poetry and 
and its art and its um, the, the habits of culture and the way that it talks and uh, you know, its idioms and you know, those are the things that knit us together into a culture, um, into a people, and um, that that make us feel comfortable, like we have a place, right? And so, the things that are ours at ours by nature of our birth, right? We were born into this people, into this place, into this family, and this this. So that's covenant. That's you know. Again, that's, I was going to try and get there. You oh, know, sorry. so all the Baptists yeah, I, were nodding their head before I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but um, th- those are the things that that I, as a church we need to dig in on. As a, as a ch- the church in America, we need to really dig in on. Um, you know, because so w- w- if we try, if we think that we just got to get everybody's theology right, mm. and then things are going to fall into place, yeah, we're in for pretty rude awakening. That's right. right. That's so, a good point because, you know, it's funny. We tried that in the late 1800s and well, we, Nazism. We're still trying it, which is why we get more segregation, segregation from mm-hmm. each other. You know, it's funny when with covenant, we forget um, that the, it's actually tangible uh, right. with covenant. It's, it's actually was paid for in blood, right? Like, you know what I mean? And so it's celebrated in a meal yep. and it has a sign of water. You know, and so, (laughs) and so death, resurrection, my my conscience can answer. Yes, I'm clean. Well, how do you know? Well, Jesus took my sins. Well, how do you know that? Well, all the promises were put on me when my, when my name was established in baptism, when the name of Christ was put on me in baptism. And I sup with them every week. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing is like, he he makes a meal for me every week and I sup with them. What are you talking about? And And one of the things that those are tangible things, they're tangible things. And, and, you know, we, we feel connected, you know, we've, we've talked about this some too, you know, that we feel connected when our bodies sway together in music mm-hmm. right? and, um, and, or when we sing in harmony, yes. right? When we sing yes. in harmony with one another, you, there's this bodily connection, um, that, that happens as well. And all of those things should be, we are as our children are enculturated into them, um, they learn who they are, what their place is. And this is, uh, you know, we get our citizenship in our country at birth, right? So uh, we get our nationality at birth. Um, but so often we wait for our kids to decide to become Christians mm-hmm. later. And so that's something that's added on. It's not fundamental about who they are. And so um, they never really say, well, this is my place. Or, you know. Well, and that's the schizophrenic part about it, actually. Because mm-hmm. I actually think that everything that we do says you are a part. Right. <laughs> right. Come to the table. We pray together. We sing together. We teach them Christian songs. We teach them Bible verses. Yeah. We're saying you are as much a part of this as anybody else. Except you're not. Except you're not. Right. Yeah. That's schizophrenic thing a part of it. It's like we know because we know that paideia, we understand that the that the incult um the enculturation of the of the Christian worldview is something that we should be handing to our kids from birth. Right? right. From birth all the way up. It, the incul uh well, it's so interesting. I, I you know, I um became a Christian late high school, started going to church, and then became um, 
reformed and a part of a reformed church. And I remember a, a bunch of, as I came in, people were like, oh man, VBS is the worst. It's so, the, you know, the, and they, there's nothing in the Bible that gives us permission for VBS and all this. Uh, and and uh, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I did used to lead VBSs and stuff, so maybe I shouldn't have or whatever. And then, but then I, I was out someplace recently and somebody said, Father Abraham. And like people all around broke out that didn't know each other. <laughs> had, had me any sons. And, <laughs> and they all do the hand yeah, motions. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I was like, actually, no. we, we, are, we have walked away oh, from something we. powerful, which is that there, that there used to be this whole um, kind of culture throughout a lot of the church where there were certain songs everybody knew, certain things. And it was it was powerfully impacting. We make people. kids sing. I am one of them, <laughs> yes, and so, so are you. you. And I was like, in a Baptist church, <laughs> we saw that, Father that's, Abraham. That's really interesting. <laughs> I was in Presbyterian church, so it made. Oh, okay, yeah, no, we were teaching kids, and I was like, oh yeah, Galatians five. <laughs> <laughs> but but we had. But I thought it was so interesting. All these strangers in this big room all started singing together and doing the hand motions, and then they all kind of laughed and went on their way. And I thought. There's powerful, powerful stuff going mm. on um, that that because we think in terms of perfectionistic theology being the thing mm. that we can fellowship about, about um, we miss a lot of opportunities. Besides the fact that we're all in the process of growing and changing, I mean, so if if we have to wait until we get our theology to a certain place before we can have fellowship with one another. That's really interesting. You know, that's one of the things about art, too, and the beauty of art that we've missed because we're so perfectionist in this, yeah. that we haven't figured out how to make the catechism such a song like Father Abraham. Right. And I bet you I can go up to probably, you know, I bet you 90% of those people wouldn't know half the catechism. Right. Right. Yeah. But they all know Father Abraham. And so what we're seeing is that there is a chasm between how do we then, if catechism is the highest form of just knowledge, yeah. you know, just knowledge. Yeah. Um, how do we communicate that in song to where it becomes bonded to the soul? Right. Right. You know? my, one of my early pastors said that the children of the church will, will learn all of their theology from the songs we sing. Mm. We just left it that right. That's where they're going to learn all of their theology. But that's how and we learn everything. It is. It is. So he was always really, um, and I, I think there's also the stories we tell is really important too. And, um, but it, he, so he was really careful about, both the theological accuracy and that kids could sing the songs in church, right? So, like the the kids were actually learning to sing all the songs, and um, you know it because we're 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 I, I mean I I was cracking a joke earlier, but uh, you know about cultural appropriation, but yeah. that that's actually what we're after. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We want the world to appropriate our culture. That's right. And when you look at something like Summer of Soul and you realize how Christian black culture was at that oh point in time. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, my goodness. I think all of the liberals saying we don't want culture, uh, resisting cultural appropriation, especially of blacks, is because they don't want people to become more Christian. I ain't going to say anything else about that. I think you might be on some. Yeah. Like, and it's. Yeah, You've got to stop all this cultural. It, Appropriation. I mean, think about it too. Like you didn't reach us unless you was like you had to have some Christian on you. Right, like you had to have right. some sort of Jesus on you. Yeah. If you're gonna make it through, you know that. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I was just listening to. Uh, I, I've got a new uh, Toby Nguyen. 
Is that oh, yeah, rapper yeah. That I, I still have my suspicions about that dude. <laughs> I'm side eye watching him. I mean, yeah, you, you could do that all you want. His beats <laughs> are so good. And then I like the way he raps. He could, anyway, yeah, all that. Could, um, <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he can make you as nervous as you want. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, mm. <laughs> I'm Trojan horse a little bit on him. Anyway, so? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm watching him. I'm watching yeah. him. You might know more than me. I've been listening to him for like two weeks. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit. He's got some things in his. I think he has, and I haven't. I think there's some black nationalism in him. Oh, that I think undermines some of the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That undermines some of the stuff that I think that he really wants. And so, um, but he's <laughs> he is clearer than most Christian rappers on a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. I'm I'm gonna say this too, and, and this is getting me in trouble, but somebody who we know that has not got a whole as much love as I think he should have gotten the game is Show Baraka. Yeah. Like, hands down, I mean, as a skilled artist, the dude is phenomenal. Well just as a skilled artist on yeah. that level. Well the his I think his his new song Healthcare I've been listening to it a lot. I think it's the first time that I've listened to a Christian rapper and thought, you're challenging Wu-Tang. Right. Oh, like, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. This is, you're like. His lyrics and he's. His, his yeah. lyricism and then just, I mean, and it's, you know, it's got that. We just got to talk about it being free. That's all we got to talk about. See, see how I do that? Like, <laughs> like I'm all in. I just want to talk about, like, when you say free, like. Are you talking about the healthcare free? Yeah, yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he said that it was, it was in the song. I was like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, if we ask for the government to make something free, like, but you don't ask me for a cheeseburger for free. That's, <laughs> like, that's what makes the poetry effective, though, is he just pokes everybody. I know. Yeah. Th that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, because with show, you start listening, like, yeah, yeah. Then he say something, you're like, <laughs> you're hold like, on, oh, Phil. Like, hold oh. on. I was rocking with he, you. And it's then, like, oh. And then the next eight bars, you're like, okay, yeah. that's good, though. That's good. It's and you're like, like, oh, hold on. <laughs> It's like Precious Puritans. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that made song. everybody. Yeah, that was amazing. Was, well, you know, I this mean, is, as a poet, it made me happy. And, was, uh, but with show, I feel like show, and we just talking about him, I feel like that he is very conscious of, I don't think he even tried to do it. I think he's poking both sides. He's trying yeah. to see clearly, and he's poking both sides. Well, I, I think that other well, cause people. Because when you're actively hunting for the truth, you're not saying, you're not looking for a tribe. Right. Right. And right. So, but you're this is to say like, poke you in that eye, and then I'll poke them in that but, eye. But my problem has been inside of my conservative rapping friends has been that you guys, and I'll even give you this, you guys have rightly, man, we've gone so long. Okay, you guys, <laughs> we're just gonna talk. I don't care. I'm just, <laughs> you guys have rightly poked at some things that I think are valid. Yeah. And a lot of people in reform world don't think it's valid. Right. But I'm rocking with y'all. Like a KB, he's another dude. Man, I really like KB. We even talked a little bit on Twitter. I hope to talk to him again, but he's he's poked at some things that I think are are right, and um, but what I see them doing is poking left, but punching right, and what I want to see is if I think Show does a better job of it. I don't even that's why I don't think it's intentional for him. He's just punching. Yeah, whatever he's punching, yeah. he's punching. But I see some of them are so triggered or upset at what they see. Some of the conservative Christian reform people who are actually doing the opposite, which are poking right and punching left granted but they don't show the standard objectively either yeah. so then they're only doing like we talked about the same side of the a different side of the same coin when it comes to capitalism and and um 
and uh, Marxism. <laughs> right, right. Right. But they're doing the same thing. And so I'm like, hey, why don't you why don't you when are you going to write the song on Marxism? Right. right. While you're talking about like capitalism and Christianity on this, when are you going to write the song on secularism? You know what I mean? Yeah, and so, yeah. and, and so they think they're writing the song on secularism as they take a good punch of Christianity, which it rightly deserves. And so I'd be happy for them to do like, okay, that was a good punch. Yeah. Like a lot of people ain't gonna like it, but you're right about that. Now, where's the other song at? Because this other side, you know, look, this thing is not, this thing is a waterbed. It is not a plank. Right. Nice. It is a waterbed. If you push up one side, the other one's going to pop up. So if you tell me that this is wrong, then you're exalting this one regardless. There's no neutrality in this. Yeah. So either you're going to have to poke a hole in the waterbed and, and play and, and, and lay out a new way or you're playing favoritism one side or the other. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why nobody likes me. <laughs> that's true. Well, <laughs> Wait, so, nobody likes me. And the, the point I was trying to make with Toby earlier was he was they, they had him on the Dave Chappelle show. Yeah. Right. Dave Chappelle's a Muslim, yeah, and but a, a Christian in a black culture doesn't stand out the way a Christian in a white culture does. So, what do you mean? Oh, uh, I, don't, I want to get back to the waterbed. Okay, okay, but, okay, okay. Get to waterbed. Get to waterbed. So, we'll okay. say that for we yeah, gotta we'll go in. We gotta we gotta yeah. yeah. But I, I, um, the poet that is not willing to be a prophet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. needs to hang up his wordsmith gloves. Can I can I add to that real quick? Yeah, Jason Whitlock, um, who I've recently developed a relationship with, he said to him, uh, "There's two people that failed us in America: pastors and comedians." Yeah, and this like comedians are poets. Okay, yeah, so, uh-huh, so he said the reason that they failed us in America. This is who he puts all the, the all, everything we're going through right now. He puts it at the feet of those two people, and he said the reason they failed us in America is because they are the ones who had the license to tell us the truth and they didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's dead right about that. One hundred percent. So that's just amen to what you're yeah. saying. And so, um, when the opportunity to be a, a prophet arises, one of the things that happens is the people's first response is always to crucify. If he's a good prophet. If he's a good prophet. Yeah, he, right? A prophet is not worth his weight in gold until people are ready to stone him. And so <laughs> that's just real. The the poet that says. Yep, you're you're still my people, and I'm going to keep telling you the truth mm. is of such immense value. That's why I appreciate Show. I think he does that right, one hundred percent. They're of such immense value, but it doesn't feel as if you're being valued as a prophet by the people, because God is the one that mm. um, it that. It holds the reward for the profit. Yeah. Right. So he he can't work out some sort of deal where it's like, hey, if I grow this community, I get this much money out the church. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> he don't have the luxury yeah. of even having yeah. that. And so, um, you know, when you have opportunity to advance your career um, by just making a little bit of a, just, uh-huh. just, just going a little bit light on some of this. Um, Which is what I think. Prophecy. I think my thoughts is some of what Lecrae has went through is a swing on both sides. Where for him, people like you know now he's swinging back the other way, seeing things a little clearer, and people are like, but you were over there, yeah, and you didn't but, see it because. So. But because one of the problems is we think more like uh, we because we don't think like Christians. We think like well, we've got a pol- we've got political tribes, 
mm. and that that's mm. where we're gaining our identity mm. rather than saying like, oh, we've got this um, this guy. Well, he's one of us, right? He's he's my people, and he's pointing something out to me about an, an, uh, some issue, right? And if my immediate response is, well, that's not the Republican position, mm-hmm. rather than, okay, he's my brother. I need to hear him out in context, then I think we have, we, we are not hearing the prophets God has given us because we're compromised. Mm. I got so many, we got to stop there because <laughs> there's so many things I want to say about that because I think some of the prophets are compromised. Yeah. Right. Well, because they're bitter. Oh yes. So then they all, sound like all kinds of evil. Come from I, the root of bitterness. I, I think there's some of them are bitter. Absolutely. Um, there's, uh, I think, um, Tabidi, Anya Buile, I think that he had rightly seen some things and was pro- saw some things problematic, and then he became bitter. And we couldn't didn't hear him right away. Well, well, then we like you sound just like critical race theorist Marxist person. Um, because so much because of racism of, is just envy. Well, yeah, and I think and and. Then we couldn't hear him anymore, you know. And so, like, but we, but those, there's judgments on both sides of that. Yeah. But it doesn't help. prophets if if they become bitter, you have to find the well to jump into. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to. You got. I need to die. I need yeah. to die. Kill me, Lord. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that I can come back and then do the thing I need to do that's rightly so. And I think, so, praise God that some people have found the well, and that we yeah. do need to listen to. That's that's kind of. For whatever the reason or the case, I've tried to be more in that vein yeah. because I feel like there's so many things that I hear from guys who are prophets on the other side, and um, we don't we don't agree with everything, but I know that's my brother, yeah. and I think he's making some very valid points. And I've watched my friends who are kind of more on the white side of things, more the conservative Republican sides, just bark hardcore at those yeah. points. And I'm like, no, he's he's actually getting at a real issue that. You're not taking it into consideration. Yeah. And then they look at me and like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> you with them. I'm like, wait, I'm, no, I'm with the objective reality of what he's saying. That's what I'm with, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that well, goes on both sides of that. Totally. And, and sometimes it's just like he's speaking with an accent. And so he's not in my tribe. Is an accent that's other than mine, you know? And, and so we're looking for shibboleths. Um, you know, to to prove that they're in my tribe, they're not giving them. Rather than saying, "Well, no, I'm I'm looking for the the fruit faithfulness, right?" Like, yeah. I'm, and I think that there's a and some of that is how we communicate. And and, a, and man, we gotta go. Okay, but I want to say this: it's so important. Well, watch this happen so many times where the facts and the feelings and those two things are trying to have a conversation and they yeah. just bouncing off each other. And so black people, a lot of people, my social justice, like, Hey man, we got a police problem. There's some things going on over here. It's a problem. Yeah. It's like, and then my friends on the white side to go find all the stats and they come back and be like, man, what y'all talking about? Police that hardly kill any black people. They killing white people way more than they killing y'all. <laughs> As if that's, that's a proof that things are okay. And the black person's like, Right, because there's more white people than us. So as a minority group, still a lot of people we don't want. I mean, I don't think anybody should be getting killed like that because, you know, that's not right. So, But I'm just saying, like, maybe we should look at the whole thing since y'all dying more than us. Maybe can, we can look at this. Like, it's like, uh, and so now um, 
uh, because it's become so politicized now, everybody's figuring out, hey, maybe we do have some police reform. It's like, now it's cancel the police, and now it's like, oh, let's do some police reform. You know, it's like, <sighs> yeah. you know, like, you know, if we could have had a, a more objective conversation about this and try and hear each other out, it's like, well, show, show me what you're talking about. Like, what's the situation? You know, um, what is happening? And just yeah. watch and, and maybe having more of a better dialogue to say, but maybe not everything is a Trojan yeah. horse. Yeah. And well, I think you got, you've got guys speaking really reasonably and rationally. Um, like killer Mike, they get, right. get no play. Right. They get killer. No, Mike cares not if he gets play cause he going to do what he going to do. Right period. But why doesn't he have his own show on the news yet? Right. Why, do, why are you giving it to people? But it's because he is trying to be reasonable, rational, build bridges, right? He, he's, he's like, oh, we got a problem. We should solve the problem rather than, oh, we've got a problem. How can I make money off it? <laughs> right. Killer Mike won't get. Yeah, because it's funny. Even though I mean, ethically, I probably disagree with Killer right. Mike on a whole bunch of things. All and yet I place. look at what he's doing. I'm like, hold on now. Me and Killer Mike got a lot more in common yeah. well, than people want us to believe exactly. that we do. That's what I, that's what I mean. It's you. You say somebody, you go, oh, he's on the other side, except for he's he wants to solve problems. Yeah, he wants to government out of it. He wants, yeah, he wants the government. He wants he wants to solve problems. Government element. He wants it for it's for his local his community. People, he his lives community, in his yep. neighborhood, and he that guy should be. Um, he should be the first person that the, the Republican yeah. Party goes to and say, "What? How do you want right. to work?" Exactly, exactly, <laughs> right? But but it, yeah. but um, you got. You got He's too black, hustlers. though. That's the problem. I think, honestly, man, I think that the thing that ha- scares a lot of conservatives is that they don't like the idea of of individuals being 100% of who they are yeah, because no, they right. think that they takes away from the collective. You're right. They can't celebrate those differences. And so Killer Mike is so pro-black that they think, oh, man, that's just not going to be good. But it's like, but there's certain things that it's okay (laughs) because what he's what he's arguing for is where he's at who he's serving those people i have this is why i got so much flack for people saying give me the black church or i die with with john knox but like did you understand john knox was pro scotland right yeah a hundred percent like right that's his folk and that's and and that's okay (laughs) that's how that that's how god I mean, th- that's how God works. That's how God divides up the world. Right. So, but just because he was pro Scotland doesn't mean that he was like anti. Yeah. Right. He was, but there's a certain thing that sometimes you have a heart for that God gives you for. We see this in missionaries all the time. Yeah. You know, I just, and so I just got to go to China. Yeah. Oh, South Africa is my heart, you know? And I think though, to bring it all the way back to economics is we do have a scarcity mentality. Yes, it's evolution. Yeah, that the world that God did not create a world with a scarcity problem. That is not, and we act like if we get something from God, that means somebody else doesn't. Like there's we not got enough, a shorter part of the pie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and that's just not the kind of world we live in. And so much of that false economics depends oh. upon an idol that is limited. But dog, you know what, man? This is like. I'm getting so much trouble. This is a problem I have with a lot of Christians have set up this type of understanding. Mm-hmm. You watch Christian ministries. 
they are so tight packed and they only share their people. Even if it's good, everybody, I'm going to say this straight up. Everybody knows they need to be sharing Doug Wilson, <laughs> but they read them. They read them privately. They don't want to talk about it publicly because they can't say, Hey man, it's good. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and it, and I've watched from being inside, which is probably the last time I will be ever known <laughs> is that these groups, these sects refuse to promote each other. Right. Because they believe that there's only so much of the Christian audience and to give this any ground publicly would mean that we'll lose something. Yeah. And so they're so centered on their little truck. Man, I try and blow that all out the water. These are my people over here. Love those people over there. These are my groups over here. I want all of them to do well. Yeah, and, and, you know, I want to promote them. But you can't be generous if you're afraid there won't be enough to go around. That's the problem. We, yeah. we, but we have an evolutionary understanding as it relates to God's economy, even with people and blessing. We think that if we promote somebody else and what they're doing well, then, then we just lost all of our funds and all of our giving. Yeah. It's like, are you insane? Who do you serve? Right, right. Do you serve Darwin or do you serve Jesus who made the world? Right? And the universe. And the, the it, it it's a uh, it, it's a fundamental mentality about the kind of creation we exist in and the kind of god that god is yeah. that he is a miser and so there's there's a limited amount and if uh, somebody else gets it then i don't i don't yeah that's we got to we got to get past that yeah. all right that's enough no more right. we're done <laughs> Do you know where you're going to be at September 9th through 11th? I do. You're going to be in Lebanon, Tennessee at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference on the politics of sex. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, do you know why you're going to be in Lebanon, Tennessee at the politics of sex conference? I just Country music center of the world. No, no, because if cool. we don't get God's design ordered rightly in our lives, you know, male, female, family, marriage, culture, yeah. marriage, you know, the, the politics of sex, what yeah. we're talking about. If we don't get oh. this right. Well, we're going to get what we got right here, right now, in this culture, which is hell-bent on destroying itself. Yeah, you know right. why else you're going to go? Why? Vody's going to be there. Hey! David Bonson, Pastor Doug Wilson. Yes. You guys going to be there? I'm going to yes. be there. Uncle Gary's going to be there. C.R. Wiley's going to be there. Ben Merkel's going to be there. Everybody, she That's emotions. more than Fab Five. <laughs> We got SWAT talks all day Saturday. I mean, everybody from the Fight Life East Network is going to be there. Oh, and I'm looking forward to the psalm singing, the ruckus psalm singing, and the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Whoa. No? We're not doing that? No, no. We're not, not doing it. Next conference. Go to FLFnetwork.com, <laughs> click on events, and register now. There's also a link down in the show notes. Just go down there, scroll down, find it. It's right around there somewhere. Okay. What if we have a translator for the tongues? No. 